Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. We we said we were going to just kind of we're going to just take things slow, but we're going to go through period by period and talk about the Stooges. And, you know, I'll, I'll let us know when we're winding down, I'll probably do about an hour tonight or something. Yeah. And um, so what I wanted to do, I figured that the, the best way to really sort of dive in, obviously, would be to talk about the Stooges. Right. First album. Right. 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 There. Right there, exactly. Yeah, try, <laughs> you were talking before about like I don't know which way to look. Try pointing in the right way. You, you'll do My it wrong Lord. every time. Every time you'll do it wrong. But yeah, that yeah, yeah. So, so the 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 Stooges' first album is uh is its own sort of tale. I'm gonna let you uh, th- some interesting revelations, by the way, in the last few years about the Stooges' uh, first album with all the reissues and remasters that have come Oh, yeah. You know, you had that first big one in 2005 that had a bonus track. And more recently, there have been some reissues. And with them, some tracks that I'd like to discuss with you that really are revolutionary. But why don't you set us up, take us through, take us through the... The period, the Stooges, we talked last time about how when the Stooges first started, they were very freeform avant-garde right. doing, oh, it's not, you know, they're not doing like more traditional song structure that would be on the first and second albums. Right. Um, what, what's going on? How do we get from 67 to 69 in a relatively condensed way yes all right well first of all the stooges are from ann arbor michigan detroit area and iggy pop ron ashton scott ashton and dave alexander were the four original members now one thing you gotta remember they were all in bands before the stooges so iggy met ron and um band the prime movers and um they played together for a while, and Ron was in the Chosen Few. You know, the, they were all in the same area, so they, they met each other through the music scene. And Iggy used to be in the Iguanas, you know, his band, that's where he got his name, the Iguanas. So um, at a certain point, Iggy went to Chicago. You know, he wanted to play the blues. He decided, you know, it, it, he couldn't keep up with, with the, uh, you know, the black musicians. That was their, their thing. So he came back. He wanted to start a, a band of his own and bring, um, you know, his vibe to the whole thing. So he got together with um, Scott and um, Ron Ashton. I'm going to interrupt you very, very briefly just to say that I, I just I, – because I feel like it's so important to the origin. He said – we talked about this last time. He said very specifically, uh, without this is paraphrasing because we don't, I don't remember the exact quote. I wanted to bring the blues to the teenagers. Yes, something like that. That's it, and that was the whole thing because he couldn't, you know, he, he could. He was a good drummer, but you know, that was just like their life's blood. Those black musicians in Chicago, you know, just like I said, it came off like honey on their hands the way they played. So you know, and that was where you know he had a lot of drug problems later on. That's where he first, you know, saw heroin mixed with music and that would play a big part later on. So what happened was he said, like you said, he wanted to bring his brand of blues to a white audience where they could, where it'd be accessible to them, not only the area, but accessible as music. So the beginning, which is kind of crazy. I don't know. Some people don't know, but, in the beginning, Iggy, none of them 
there's no vocals. So they were all playing their own thing. Iggy started on guitar, That's even so though he was a drummer, he started on guitar. Mm-hmm. He taught Scott how to play drums. And um, Ron and, and Ron was on bass and second guitar. And what happened was they needed a bass player, so they got Dave together. Uh, Dave Alexander, he was like a rich kid from, from the local area. But what they did at first was they didn't really know how to play. So they right. said, right, and this was psychedelia time. So the conventional instruments kind of went out the window. So what happened was Iggy started with a ukulele, a string ukulele. Yeah. You know, Scott was beating on big kettle drums with hammers. Iggy had a blender called the Osterizer, which was basically a blender with a mic and water, which made a sound kind of like good vibrations, Beach Boys kind of yeah, sound. But, you know, but if you know that. point in his last name, in his last name. Osterberg. So Osterizer. Right. right. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> great. It's great. And, um, you know, so Dave, what Dave would do was he, while – while they planned on playing, he Dave would play all the strange instruments in the background because he, he wasn't on bass yet. He was the so. Brian Jones. Right. So he would play <laughs> like they had bo- – yeah, exactly. They had bottles with water. He'd clang and, you know, Iggy had golf shoes with, with cleats that he would tap on. <laughs> these The big piece of iron, you know, whatever. This is how they were practicing, you know. They, right. They spray painted. They were into mysticism. They had onks and Egyptian symbols and, you know, Sun dirty Ra. words. Right. Sun Ra was an early um, – uh influence iggy brought all that sun ra harry parch was another experimental um musician that, that iggy brought to the table and ron's thing was hendrix you know and and the oh, other yeah. guys you know the music of the time you so it's kind of a melody oh totally you can hear that you know that changed his, mm-hmm. his whole way of playing so yeah. when they first started out they played this uh, halloween show and Iggy played guitar. There was no vocals. Now, oh, another thing I want to say was Scott originally was going to sing. You know, he became the drummer. But Scott was going to so sing originally. To yep. So crazy. And Iggy was going to play guitar, which is, which is wild. So, right. you know, and previously they were already musicians. Ron was accomplished bass guitar player. Iggy was a great drummer. They taught each other back and forth a lot. And now they – Degressed to this, you know, early form of psychedelic, crazy noise sound. But you know what's interesting? It's almost like they had to break that. They had. It's almost like all right. There's this quick side note. The, uh, this guy from a jam band that I'm not a big fan of. This band Fish. There's this oh guy, lord, yeah, I can't take that. Really, not yeah. Neither can I. Not my thing. My friend, my friend was re- who's really into fish, showed me a movie that was made by the bass player called Outside Out. And this guy, Colonel Bruce Hampton, is teaching this kid that in order to play the guitar, he must lo- first learn how to unplay the guitar. Wow. And what that you're says describing, a lot. Right. So what you're describing, and that's that's all I wanted to, to say about that. Right. What you're describing right now, though, is the de- the de- the de-evolution. They needed to unlearn right. how to play in order to then reconstruct through traditional instruments these crazy out there sort of oh, things yeah. that they had grasped, I think. Right. And that's it- exactly it. And like you said, devolved. They evolved through devolving. You know, right. their their music was so forward at the time and, and mm-hmm. odd. They broke, broke it all down and created this new kind of music where they would, you know, they would, they would smoke. Weed was early on and they would, they would get together into one kind of a mind. They'd shut the lights off. Right. Play their weird music at Christmas, like hanging out. And they call it the O mind, the one, the one mind. They'd all get in this one right. state of mind. Right and play and we you know, will fall. I mean, look at we will fall. Exactly, you know what I'm saying. We right, fall totally. Yeah, yeah. That was that was right. That was uh, Dave had actually borrowed a book from their first manager, Ron Richardson, and it was a a mystical book by this guy. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Ramdas, I think was his last name, and it had all those chants in there. So they this said, "Let's why we got Nikki Pop on the show right now, guys. He knows all this shit. I don't know half of this stuff. This is why 
I needed the ex. I'm your. I'm the misfits guy, right? Or I like to think of myself as the misfits. Oh guy. hell yeah, yeah. He's the Stooges guy. This is this is Jam. I'm loving it. Oh, it's so fun, anyway. Um, All right, so yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. All right, so. All right, I'll go. Uh, 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 yeah, you, uh, hey, oh, forget about <laughs> it. No, no, but basically. All right, basically so they formed a few. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. They, they threw together a few loose songs, okay? They played this first Halloween show, which was just music, no vocals. And after that show, they got their, their first manager, which was Ron Richardson. And he got them a show at the Grandy Ballroom in Detroit. And at this time, this, the second show, actually, there, there was still no vocals. You know, Iggy was still on guitar. It was still a freak out. Like, if you've heard Fun House, the last song on Fun House, uh, L.A. Blues, is just total freak out. And, but at this time, they're using asthma those strange attack. instruments, too. Right, asthma, a asthma attack. attack, exactly. And, you know, they had a, the you know, first few songs, Dance of Romance, which later became another song. Not right, I think it was. And, um, and, and you're Anne. right, you're right. And um, uh, there was a few other ones. Jeez, uh, I'm, I'm drawing There's a, blank, a song called Asthma I'm Tech. Sick. I'm Sick. And Goodbye Bozos, I think, was the other one. Yeah, and, Goodbye Bozos. And uh, Iggy let Scott write a song. It was like a Home on the Range type of song where he just – List all this this country type stuff off, and Iggy Iggy said early on he was doing that too. He wrote this song called "Heavy Score," which was, as you can imagine, a, a drug type thing. You know the the lingo of the time. But anyway, so they they started that show, and around that time, Dave decided he was going to paint Iggy's guitar with big flowers. So he painted right over the pickups, so the guitar goes out the window. So Iggy's like, "Fuck, I don't have a guitar. What am I going to do?" Let's have Ron play guitar, and I'll try singing. So in the meantime, through all this, you know, Iggy has seen Jim Morrison, so he had that in the back of his head, mind you. And, you know, in the beginning, he was pulling influences from, you know, early Stones, The Doors, plus, you know, trying to make this all come through his own vision. You know, His own so, vision of the blues. Right, of the blues, of the blues. And now if you listen to it, it, or if you heard some of the really old stuff that is available, it's definitely not bluesy. It's wild and, and crazy. There's a recording from something from the old Grandy wow. Ballroom. It's always listed as Psychedelic Stooges, but it's it's right in that time. Right? Wait, 68. wait, so this is 67 or 68? 68, yeah. It's, wow. You can hear it's a wild wild type of jam you know it's guitars and it's really hard to hear like you know some of the misfits early early stuff is, is right you know the bootlegs it's like that but you can well, still hear a taste of that is, what's interesting though is um what you just said oh you know with through his own or, or what we were saying through his own vision of the blues but doesn't sound anything like the blues but that's right. how things work you know i hate, right i hate this idea that Cultural appropriation can be a terrible thing, but it also is a very important thing because right. what happens is that's how you get innovation. That's how anything becomes anything in the world right. through something like that. You know what yes. I mean? A great, oh, example, yeah. a great example would be, you know, American blues goes over to England Right. The English guys start rock and roll bands. They come back over to America with their blues based rock and roll that came from America in the first place. It's oh, and that's an the whole creation. Right. And that happened with Ron and, and Dave Alexander. They both went over to uh quit high school. Right. They went they, over to they England to see the Beatles. Right. Pig they went over there to see to, the Beatles. To Liverpool. Exactly. Just to be in the place. Just right. To be in the place. They were huge Beatles fans. Oh, and they were so naive. They thought they were just going to run into the Beatles just out on the right. street someplace. They sold you know, their car. Like, I believe. They yeah. Sold oh, yeah. Their car. Yeah. Sold his car. He was there. the only one that had a car. And um, Dave so, also had a motorcycle too. I think he sold. Iggy said at the last time I saw his interview. But I forgot one thing. Before Iggy went to singing, he did move to the organ for a little while too. Oh wow. Pre that, and that. later you can hear. Iggy's keyboards and and on penetration and the raw power album, but that's down the road. 
So, but what's interesting is to go back to the whole thing about appropriation, or I, I you know, again, I hate this word. It's influence. It's just influence. Uh, right, right. So this idea of like you, you're influenced by this kind of music, sure. and it goes through you, and then suddenly it comes out the other end, something completely different, and right. that is a beautiful thing. A great example to to use the Misfits as an example. You have, you literally have fifties like doo-wop and like Italian, oh yeah, and all this shit and horror films and the Ramones and what is right blend together into what the Misfits are making. Right, it runs through the filter of their experience, you know, their life experience, basically. And that's exactly what the Stooges are. Is that's what that's what like the Stooges are. Oh, totally is. You know, oh, what we're talking about. You know, old movies and action. The the three Stooges themselves, even. I mean, they took and you know, and and Ron spent a lot of time with with Larry at the. Oh yeah, in the nursing home, sure. In the nursing home, but in any case, yeah. They make this. They finally make a transition to traditional instruments. They they're playing with the MC5. Right. Um, they drop they get, the psychedelic moniker right. as they're. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, yeah. Just that they drop the psychedelic moniker. Yeah. Danny Fields sees them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Signs go, both bands. Twenty thousand yeah. dollars and five thousand. Calls Jack Holzman and says, right. "Hey, I got these two bands." And right. Danny Fields. Now, when when you first met Danny Fields. Electra was really hip at the time, more hip than any of the other labels. So they wanted a guy with an ear in the street. So they have Danny Fields who's a jean t-shirt type of guy. So he first comes up to Iggy after after the show at the Grandy and, and says, hey, man, you're a star. You're a star. And Iggy's like, yeah, right. I'm, you're a star. I'm a star. He thought the guy was picking him up, you know, or bullshitting him. But, you know, but that's how it was. You know, that was a smart thing for Electra to do because they could stay on top of the pulse of what was going on in the underground music scene or in Detroit or New York or whatever was happening. And, you know, that paid off. He he signed the Doors. He signed the Stooges, MC5, later with the remote, every, everybody. He was, Danny Fields was amazing. There's a great documentary on him, too. Great documentary. Yeah. Excellent. Danny says. Danny says. Yes. Danny says. Yeah. Very so, good. But All right, but yeah, so they so they they're they're on Electra. And another connection, you know, when you think about like the proto-punk, we, we talked about how like garage rock existed and that was its own separate branch of the musical counterculture oh, yeah. underground. But when you're talking about like the idea of like the punk movement that came up through New York. And right. then expanded outward from New York to England to LA to sure. the West. Like it all really germinated in New York, but by way of like Detroit. Sure. And or out there. But at the same time as Iggy and the Stooges and the MC5 are doing their thing, you have the Velvet Underground in right. New York. On the rock circuit, you know, he's a huge fan. He's a huge fan. And he never saw right. the Velvet Underground, which is kind of odd. But yeah, like you're saying, like, you know, just like the Stooges played in London, their one time show ever in England at, at King's Cross Cinema. They, they, every, all the punk bands are supposed to have been there. Johnny Rotten said he was there. You know, Joe Strummer from The Clash. Whether they were there or not, that influenced that whole punk scene explosion Stooges go to New York city who sees them, you know, the Ramones, uh, Patty Smith, Blondie, the, all these people, dictators, right. All in, you know, they that did a residency at Max's. They did four nights or yes. something at Max's. Yep. And yep. that was in the early, early seventies, right before I, I don't think Peter Crowley was there yet. It might've been the, the, right. the, the second, the, there were three generations of Max's Kansas city and, yeah. or two generations. And um, there's like the Andy Warhol Velvet Underground Max's yeah. Kansas City. And then later on, there's like Peter Crowley's Max's Kansas City when he was the musical director there. And he literally, every band imaginable came through Max's Kansas Man, City. Man, I would have loved, loved to have been oh to God. just any of those shows. All you, you know? have to do is just go to shows in New York for right. a decade and you would have seen every band. That, that would have been existed. it. You would have been there for it, for the whole yeah. birth of everything. You would have been there. Bob yeah. Bruin is a guy who amazing. Just... He took that photo of me with the Stooges up there. Bob did. Oh, I'm, really? I'm, yeah, I met him at the 
at the Raw Power, the students interview. Super nice guy. It was funny. So he's standing there. I'm like, holy crap, that's Bob Gruen. He took the famous New York City John Lennon oh, photo yeah. where John Lennon has New York oh, City yeah. on. You know, if, if these guys don't know who he is, but it was that funny. Was Bob Gruen's, that was Bob Gruen's T-shirt. Yes. Yeah, right. And it was funny because he was standing there, and Iggy's here, and Iggy walks up, and he goes, hey, Bob, how you doing? He goes, you look great. Are you a vegetarian now or something? I was like, what? <laughs> just got funny. I just, out of nowhere, you know? But Bob Gruen's been, super oh nice, we dude. We have to talk about that whole day. Oh, man. Except we'll get to that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that but, one day. But to continue our story here, they get signed to Elektra. They're right. going to make an album. And who produces this album but the guy from the Velvet Underground, one half John of the Kale. Brain Trust, John Cale, who yes. plays the uh, viola and the bass, right? Right, bass. right. And he's very worldly, very a lot of experience, right. production, this and he's that. a Welsh guy. Right, Welsh dude, exactly. And he... um. He, you know, I mean, this was, I think he might have even had left the Velvet Underground by the time he had produced the Stooges. I don't think he was in the band. I think so. Very eccentric. Right? He yeah. was in the studio with a cape on. I'm sure you've heard. Big Dracula cape. No, I did not. Oh, yes, yes I did know that. <laughs> during, I did know that, yes. That the hit factory in, Nor in New York where they recorded right. the album. And Iggy had met Nico at this time, speaking of the Velvet right. Underground. They, they hooked up. They yep, hooked up They as had well. an affair. And and what's interesting is what's interesting though is here is another piece of connective tissue though, like the connective tissue of like the, there's like this sort of cluster of bands: the New York Dolls, the Stooges, the MC5, yep. and the Velvet Underground. This is another link between three of those bands. Sure. And then there's a whole bunch of strings that connect them to the New York Dolls, who would come just a little. I mean, that the New York Dolls really are. New York's first native branching of that stuff coming out. I'm not using the right words here. You know oh, well, you know there would I mean? never be there. any of those L.A. hair metal bands without the New York Dolls. They were the first band really to do that. John and Johnny Thunders and, you know, and the Heartbreakers. You know, if you look, they were like the Dolls were the first ones really to dress like chicks. You know, if you think about it, right. first Literally, full glam band. Ten years before their time. Right. Because every band in L.A. would copy exactly what the dolls were doing, and the record industry would make billions yeah. off of what the New York dolls had done ten years earlier. And it just uh, – and the fact that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Johnny Thunders has to be. <laughs> He's not, Damn, man. Does make any sense? And MC5 you know? are not in the rock. It's just it how wild is that? Mind. They were what nominated a, a bunch. Oh well, the Stooges had six or nine nominees before they got in, and uh, which is wild. But I saw the Jerry's uh, uh, jacket and stuff is in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they're not in there, obviously. Right. But they get cool a lot of their stuff. Least, yeah, they got, yeah you know, recognized. They, yeah, they get a little bit of recognition. In any well, case, man, you sell out Madison Square Garden, you better be in there in some sort of way. You know. Right. Right, I think I mean that's just ridiculous and all and, and on its own. But, but in any case, they go in there to record. And the thing is, now now fill in the cracks here because I I know like I I'm really talking about the the what's it called the the broad strokes. Right, right. Well, um, they get in the studio, and of course, they all want the all the amps up to eleven because that's the only way Ron can play. No, but but um, in terms of material, they oh are okay. Not so they have three prepared. songs to start yeah. with, right? They have three songs: nineteen sixty nine, dog, and no fun. Right. And so they play these songs, but these these were still loose, long versions of those songs. So Jack Holzman right. hears them. He says, "Nah, we can't. This ain't. You got to go back. You got to get make this shit conventional, you know, and get some more material." So they're staying at the Chelsea Hotel at that time. And Ron and, and Iggy get together and they come up with, you know, real cool time and not right, which were just, there was no progression to those. They were just written on the spot. Iggy just wrote the lyrics. Ron just wrote the music. And they came up with the songs that would, you know, turn into the first album and conventional songs. Now you can remember, they don't have anything. They have no conventional songs and they have to write these songs by using things they've heard you, you know there's the birds in there there's uh uh sunrise you know uh 
each song has its own, you know, pull from, from, from something. some other, something right. else. Right. Right. And uh, I don't know if you want to go over each song or well, we'll, whatever we'll talk, well, if we can. Well, we talk about that, I want to take note. So there were uh, – I, I wrote something down here. So Asthma Attack, you have Anne. Anne was also known as a song called Dance of the Romance. Dance of the Romance. They're, they're basically the same song. Now, but here's what people don't realize about Anne. Well, first of all, Asthma Attack is, is almost a revelation when you listen to it for the first time because – Oh, yeah. You're thinking in your head, oh, you know, next year, which is really feels like a whole eon away, but next year is 1970 and they're going to do LA blues, which is just like right. nothing completely like alien, but in totally fact, alien. They had been doing that in the 60s. And I think oh, yeah. Asthma Attack represents all that psychedelic Stooges stuff. That oh, totally. Is asthma 100%. Attack, right? 100%. Well, I'm sick. Also, the ending of Anne, the, the louder. You right, know, the crescendo the, the part. Crescendo, yes. Was they borrowed from one of their, you know, I'm sick, like you mentioned that song, right. end of that. And Anne, you, you know, there's some speculation if it was about Ron and Scott's mom, Ann Ashton, or if it was about this local uh, girl, Ann Ware. She was um, uh, an amputee. She lost her leg to cancer, and and she was oh, really wow. cool. And Iggy, when she would go to the shows, Iggy would, you know, walk up, grab her up bring her to where she'd be, you know, right in front of the stage or whatever. Really cool about her. So it could be an ode to him doing Super that quick. for her. Super quick. I do want to highlight Javis Bickle has talked about Los, I'm going to butcher this, Psychos. Yeah, that's the first Peruvian punk band, band I've heard. I, a lot of people say this is this is the truly the first punk band. Right. In 1964, I like the way he puts it here, like a Latin American Stooges. I did, nice. listen, I did check these guys out, and I got to tell yep. you, I really think I really think it's true, man. Like, these oh, guys, yeah, like we're we're given. But here's the thing. Like, again, I don't want to take away anything from how revolutionary that band is. Oh, but, totally. Like, they, like they clearly have their place. This is a lot like the death thing for me a little bit. They the the, the key. I think the a, a huge thing to remember when you're talking about the first punk bands, maybe, yes, they were the first. But I'm also thinking it also comes down to influence. Right. And it, like it's I feel like it's undisputable that the Stooges, that the uh Velvet Underground and and the New York Dolls, there's always like a, a, a an attempt, and I'm not saying that's what Javis is doing. Javis is just throwing out some some really great knowledge, actually. And honestly, everybody should check out this band. They really are solid. I listen to them very, very much into them. Um, yeah. But I've noticed that over the years, there seems to be all these, you know what they are? They're like hot take revisionist narratives. That's oh, well, it's all hindsight. You know, they yeah, just, it's they want to Oh, well, this is actually in this, right. you know, exactly. as if it like, as if it should de, de, uh, demote right. the profound impact that negate influence. Right. Right. That the influential bands actually had. So I just want to like clarify that. Yes, the uh, uh, that band, that Peruvian band, and you know, Death, sure. and all these bands, they were around. Question mark the, the Mysterians, day. even the seeds. Question mark, the, sure, all that culminates seeds. into into that. You know, that's a, it's In not. Fact, you can't say this one band is the is a pivot point. It's all a culmination right. of this, right? You right. know. You know. Although I will say I would put I would put that band that Peruvian band right with all that that garage rock we're talking about that weird oh for sure family tree. Yeah. Um, so they're writing these songs. Now, here's the thing about Anne Dance of the Romance. When you listen to this, this is proto Sabbath, guys. Oh, a totally. Year, and, and Sabbath is together at this point. They're a band called Earth. Yeah. In 19 Earth. It becomes yes. Earth. Earth. In 1969. Earth. <laughs> right. Earth. Um, <laughs> in 1969, you have. You have uh, this this uh, this song that is is friggin' Black Sabbath before Black Sabbath. It is so when you listen to the original and Dance of the Romance, it is a phenomenal. Oh my song. God! Yes, do not. It's haunting. Power it, and it haunting. Builds. Yes. Yeah, it builds, and you know what happens is they lock into this rhythm groove, right? Like mm -hmm. like like the blues, but then you you know. We were talking about you were talking about how Ron is like like tapped into Hendrix and whatnot, right? And 
what does Ron do? He while those guys are locked into a a blues groove, or you know, Ron included, because Ron's doing lead and rhythm guitars. Yes, and then he's overdubbing a like this solo, this like Jimi Hendrix style. Oh, it's classic stoner, classic stoner riffs, you know. Yeah, just like over it. Yes, and inventing inventing fucking Sabbath before Sabbath. before Sabbath. Sabbath. Exactly. So <laughs> something to very much be like all of that droning doom stuff. The Stooges were doing it. They were and you know, Iggy like, had his, Oh, totally doing it. They were bringing it. But Iggy definitely had his ear to Sabbath because, you know, even later on in in 73, you know, like I was bringing back when he's playing the keyboard. Well, it's called the Celesta. It's like it's like a harpsichord type of a keyboard. And he goes, you see that in that in that song penetration? He goes, Sabbath wouldn't have added that in theirs. They would. I thought of that. They wouldn't have added that. So he. You know, it was always that competition and always, you know, he has ear. Iggy knows more, a lot more than he lets on a lot of the times. He has his ear to have off as like stupid, but he's not. Right. Totally not. He's nope. not, you know. He has a great um, radio show, too, where he plays a lot of that old rare stuff every Sunday right. night. Yeah. Right. BBC. Yeah, it's yeah, a BBC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they go in. They 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 ditch some of their songs. They reshape other songs, but they yes. have like three. They had three solid ones on the books. Yeah. They and you know again, it's nineteen sixty nine, the year nineteen sixty nine, and they have and this is a big part of Legs McNeil's Please Kill Me book where they have this whole thing. They're talking about the punkness of I want to be your dog. The the message. Oh man. Every message, and you think about you know it's funny. You know it's funny every every Ramon song has I wanna be. Oh. You never really think about the fact that that the first I wanna be song is actually right. a Stooges song. It's wanna I be, wanna your, be dog. your dog. Yep. It's totally. I wanna be your dog. It's yep. not the and and, and clearly at some point the you know Joey and Dee Dee got the idea for this I wanna be must have come from the Stooges. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. And that so, whole saying, you know, if is a, you know, I'm sure you you know, but Iggy and Ron have both mentioned it. It's like I want to be your dog, a dog that follows the girl. You know, the dog, the right. girl's dog wants to sleep on the bed. I want to sleep on the bed next to her. I want to, you know, nip right. at her feet. I want to lick her. I want to be your dog, baby. You know, kind of thing. Right. So that's pretty and so cool. It's like a yeah. I mean, it's like this real sort of, but it's also, it's also kind of like in a way. Oh, EC E20HC. First of all, I respect you so much for this. Here he goes. He here he goes. He goes back even further. I want to be your man. Ah, I want to <laughs> hold your hand. Oh, dude, you get a thousand cool points, bro. Sure, you get a thousand cool points for for dropping. I didn't something. even think about that. I didn't even think about that. So the, I want to be. I want to be goes way way back way back i want to be i want to be yeah. your man i want to hold your hand i want to be your dog i want to be well that's at least 60 what, 64 the, the, like that 60, 64, 64 uh 63 is i want to be a man yeah 64 is i want to hold, hold your hand, hand. yeah and you know yeah. a side note to all of this a quick side note when we're talking about proto-punk i know this is going to sound really hot take this is a big hot take but when you look at a song like She Loves You, yeah, I mean, that song is punk as fuck. Oh, like, hell it's yeah. It's really, you know, it's like, it, you know, it, the, they were the Buzzcocks 10 years before the Buzzcocks doing things going steady. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean, for um, sure. Well, it's all, it's simple, you know, right. Not right. a lot of chords, but a lot of heart, you know, and in that's the same what way. Think. Yes. And in the same way that 15 years prior, the Beatles were the Ramones before sure. the Ramones. Oh, for sure. The Beach Boys. Beach Boys, too. Paul Ramon. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. It all. Paul Ramon. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Ramon. That's what they get. That's That's great. Yeah, that's right. All is connected. That's right. That's true. All is connected. So, but the point is, is that uh, to go back to this, this idea that I want to be your, I want to be your dog is like the proto Ramones song in a way. And also it's like this, it's like this idea of degradation, 
you know, that I feel like is missing from a lot thematically from a lot of music. Oh, of course. The summer of love or like, you know, as, as Chris, Chris Corkum in the comments is talking about the summer of love. And it's just like, it's like everything is about love and everything. Is oh, about, this is the polar opposite. It's a polar this opposite. Is like, to I want to be your dog. They I'm hated so messed that. up. And I you want, know, he admitted fun, that. Admitting yeah. Oh, that. yeah. I'm so messed up. I want you here in right. my room. I want you here. Now yeah. we're going to be face to face. You know. Yeah. It just. Ironically, and, and, you know, the album came out the the first week of Woodstock too. The Stooges album. How was that were, for a counter to that? They're just. It was a counter, and then it came in full force with 1970 with Oh yeah, Funhouse, and you sure. got Black Sabbath first album. That is the, br- yeah. the bringer. Just to open uh, these it. are the yeah. This is opening things up to the heavy side, wiping out the 60s. You know, right? Wiping out the flower power. Yeah. The whole, totally. the whole thing. You know? Totally. And and so it's like it's kind of amazing when you think about that, that, the, that they're writing these songs in the in, in the 60s and, you know, com- coming up with this stuff. And here's a picture. This is Iggy at the time. I for oh, we're, we're covering your face here. I don't know what you see that. Yeah, that's there we I go. Guess. Um, so there's there's a picture of Iggy right there. Yeah. Joel Brodsky see, picture. Right, and and what's going on with his face right now? He is not well. He got friggin' um, lit up. up. <laughs> he got lit up. If you look right here, you can see it right here. I don't know if you can see my highlighter, but he had. Um, well, why don't you explain it, Nick? Okay, so this picture is pre what ha- what happened here. This is the photo shoot for the first album. Uh, a guy named Joel Brodsky took the photos. And if you go back to the other, the action photo, Iggy, the, there's one more. You got the, uh, that one. Okay. So they said, we want to do a, uh, an album cover like The Doors. You know, as you can right. see, it kind of ended up that way. But Iggy's like, we're not The Doors. We're about action. We're an action band. Right. So he jumped in the air, do a crazy photo. Lands on Scott, bangs his chin on the concrete, rips his chin open. So he right. has to go get stitches. Same day, he goes to St. Vincent's Hospital down the road or wherever it was there in New York. Comes back to finish his photo shoot. So there you see him in the next picture with the stitches on, on his chin. Right there, if you look down below, he's got, he's got the stitches right under here. And it was before they got the shot for the album cover. So right. they end up having to airbrush the stitches out on the album cover. And they also tweaked Iggy's eyes a little bit because they were so still, he was on a, he smoked a ton of weed and he, he was really ripped and they had to, you could, you could see it there as eyes. I mean, Great they, photo. They, yeah, photo. amazing photo. And what they're wearing there, they, they all got matched. Well, Ron's got his on. And I think, uh, Maybe Scott has one, but for the for the they all celebrated got matching leather jackets. So Ron's wearing his there, and he bought the the German Iron Cross that's around his neck with the advance money. And uh, Iggy celebrated by getting married, which right that didn't which, work out. Well. No, lasted two <laughs> weeks, but he got his son out of it, which is good, a good thing. I'd say. Wait, who so toured married, with him? Oh, so he married he married the he married Wendy. Uh, yeah. Wendy was the the mother of Eric. Yes, that's the mother of Eric. Know yep. that. Yeah, oh. and she ended up. Um, he ended up touring with Iggy. Right. He was years later for right. a long, long time. Yep. Oh yeah. Do they now? Uh, real quick, I've always wondered. Been very curious about this. I've never heard. I've never. No one ever is has any information on this guy. Is first of all. Did he have a fall? He had a falling out with his son, or are they they're they're cool, like that they're, they're on good terms. They're I think they're in good terms now. He's uh, actually I was on his page not long ago. He God, he looks just like Iggy. Recent pictures, but yeah, yeah he went to a um, not so many years ago. Recently, you know, went to see his dad do a show, and and they're talking. But I think there was some sort of a falling out. This was. Uh, 90s, mid, gotcha. late 90s. And he has he has period. grandchildren, Iggy. 
Yes. Yeah, he does too. He has some grandchildren. Yeah. That's so crazy. Man. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Heavy. Yeah. I think he Crazy. never would have had any kids had no. been his uh no. that was just an accident. Yeah. <laughs> it never I... happened again. <laughs> never it happened, never again. happened again. Isn't that wild? <laughs> so it's funny. So wild. No tattoos, one kid, yeah. no other kids. You know. He definitely, you know, amongst all that mayhem in his life had a had a plan, you know. Right. Right, so. right. Well, I'm really I, I think that's I think that's pretty awesome though, that he, the, the lineage yeah has not died the the lineage the lineage is carried on yes um pretty cool. oh for sure and yes his son his son worked on his road crew in the 90s yeah and used to like kind of be like not like a bouncer but like a you know when when he would get into debacles on stage the son would be right there to like pull him out of the pit oh yeah like oh yeah and any yeah. odd type of job you know around right. helping eggy running for his dad right type of thing yep Yep, Eric so. Benson. Yep. So, um, all right. So, where were we? We're in the studio. Yes. We're talking about so so John Cale comes in to record this album, and what is John Cale's relationship with the Stooges? What that's a you got to fill that in for me. I don't. All right. Well. <laughs> all right. So John Cale and Iggy did not get along well in the studio. Now. Iggy had a whole vision, you know, he knew what he wanted. Just like when Glenn goes in the studio, he knows exactly what he wants, you know. And John Cale had this idea of turning, you know, he knew Iggy was this crazy, you know, wild stage man, scary to him. So he wanted to make Iggy sound like horror music, like a, like a monster. So he, he thinned his voice out really thin. Iggy hated it. Iggy, Iggy didn't want it. He goes, I don't want this guy in here. You know, super in, quick, super, super quick interjection. There is, there is a recently surfaced John Cale mixes yes. of yep. these, and people are like, oh my god, they're like horrifying. It doesn't sound that horrible. No, it's interesting. It's a yeah, time capsule, drastically know? different from what is from from the the um the toned down version that made it to the album i'm sorry right. continue your conversation continue your thing go ahead right so iggy didn't didn't want him in the studio he, he he'd had it you know they thought you know he's from the velvet underground he had a lot of experience with music they thought he'd be great just like the whole steve al albini with the with the weirdness album the wrong producer We'll give you the wrong album, no matter Wait what you minute. sound like. Wait a minute. You know? Wait a minute. Did they not get along with Albini either? No, but I'm saying he was a, a good producer and made the album sound a way that they I didn't like, you know, that they didn't like. Like Iggy didn't, yeah. wasn't so digging that. talk about the weirdness at some point. We got right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but, so that's so, what happened. So Iggy decided he wanted to remix it. So now... Supposedly, that mix that we have is Iggy's tweaked mix. There's been some controversy if that's quite true or not, but Iggy claims that the 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 final mix on the album is his. And well, you know, in the beginning, they all like I was saying, Ron, Scott, they they wanted the amps turned you know up to eleven. They were nervous. They only could play with the loud music. That's how they could vibe off it. So right. they decided, John Cale and Iggy decided, um, uh, uh, where was I going with this? They needed, to, they needed to slow them down. So if, Iggy, oh, so if Iggy would dance around the room while they were playing, it would seem to put them in that onstage vibe where, the, where they could slow their playing down because they were playing really fast. Right. It wasn't going right. So he'd say, okay, well, let me dance around, see if we can you know, sort of mimic – the and live the first time in a studio the first time in a studio ever you got to remember that too which is which is nervous they was you know in a lot of bands previously but um there's some the iguanas have recordings but iggy's on drums in those you know so, right um right. which is a little different yep. so you know from there they put the they put the album together and they're satisfied with it and they go on to play the first show at a festival and, you know, the funny thing about that first album is you don't hear or see a lot of that and the live stuff we have of the Stooges. If you notice, right. a lot of the, right. the live shows, you know, from any period, 
there's parts of dog on Metallica. They play dog, but I mean, it's like you don't you don't get to hear those old songs live. You know the well, the, not until the reunion. The reunion until the reunion, right? Until yeah, the reunion, but, but pre, you know, that era, you don't you don't you don't get to hear them. Even on the Unganos tape or the Thousand Lights, you know, the, they played all the Funhouse stuff, which is sort of reminds me of how, how Danzig does it. It's new material at that time. So even later on, well, here's when, the thing. Here's what's interesting. Going to interject here. Yeah. What's what's what what that makes me think in my mind is that it, it it doubles back to what we were talking about when they only had three songs and needed a couple more for the LP. It's kind of like it's kind of like oh we we have a record we have to make the record and even if we want to get to the second record we got to get a record out and let's put these you know as you said written on the spot. Right. They must have not. Thought. Here's my here's my conjecture. They must have not thought very highly of those compositions at that time, especially when you consider that for a band that put out three LPs consisting of eight, eight, and seven songs. So right, you know uh, what is that? I don't know how to do math. Twenty three songs. Yeah. Official release. Officially released. Only twenty three songs. It's crazy. Yet. And yet there are that is just the iceberg surface of countless, oh my god countless compositions by the Stooges. I, so much music. You could count I gotta write because that you know that came out pretty on Siamese, which was sort of official label. Right. Um right. I, I Phil Mogain is a good guy. In the uh, right. In the canon of the three albums. Technically. Right. In the canon gotcha. of the three albums. Right. But yes, it is. Of course it is. Oh yeah. And I would even argue, and and I've gotten crap for this, but I, I I would argue that that Kill City is technically the fourth Stooges album. Oh, I because, I think it is. I yeah, agree with because, that. You know, a lot of people say no Ashtons, no Stooges, but I mean there were no Ashtons on Ready to Die, and that's an Iggy and the Stooges record. Oh, and you also got to remember, there's songs on there that the Stooges played before they split up. I got nothing, Johanna. You know, right. those that's that's where the direction they were going with and already right. went with half the songs. So so they already I mean, you know, th- they're there. There's just so much stuff. And so what that tells me is that th- these songs were it was more like I don't want to use the word imposter syndrome, but in the sense of like, oh, we got through the door. We got the record. Deal. Right. We we need to come up. We need to pull something out of our ass. And that's what they pulled out of their ass not realizing that they were they were all timeless oh totally the filler songs ended up being you know some of those the the lower end songs are my favorite songs and yeah little doll is probably my favorite song on the album second for me and and is is great talked about and is just oh um, yeah oh and is great song but that whole album i can listen to the stooges album all the way down the line you got 1969 we got i want to be your dog we got um we will fall we got no No fun fun. um real you say real cool time not right you say not not right right. um and and little doll right yes and they're just they're they are they're just solid they're all solid compositions but when i think of they're they're not they're not punk in the way that Funhouse would become punk. Right. You really don't want to talk too much about Funhouse because that deserves its own... Oh, totally. Well, like, you got to remember album. this also. Funhouse... Well, I'm not going to talk a lot, as you said, but it was recorded live, so that's how they sound on the stage True. at that time. True. This album wasn't was how they were on stage at that... Right. Pre that time. It was... Um, you know, made for solely for the purpose of putting an album out to start right. them and when they had nothing else, you know, to put out the, the songs they're playing at the time would have filled four or five albums. I'm sure they're so long, which you know, is the why, few that they had. which is why the, which is why in their heads, it probably like Funhouse is like them legitimately trying to write like songs with those instruments in that style. Oh yeah. The Stooges material is the self-titled material is literally like, oh shit, 
uh, uh, right. Uh, exactly. No fun. Yeah, yeah. No fun. Oh and yeah. Like, oh yeah. Uh, real cool time. We're gonna right. have a real cool time. Yeah, yeah. 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 No fun is basically ninety six tears when you listen to it. And uh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of the not right is kind of dog with the with the notes mixed, the chords mixed in different directions. You know, they they just used the tools that they had which was right. stuff they liked and maybe a few chords that could twist different ways and throw some different lyrical spin on it, you know, and, and, and fill the, the seven or eight songs on the album, you know, the, um, uh, uh, not right. The, 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 the sort of, uh, there's like this, there's like this contrasting dynamic, like, like hook in not right. Yes. It's always, it's always, always this way. It's this like way. This really, just really great, simple. And again, you know what it is? It really is. You, I, I, in a way, I would think of Funhouse as like the first like punk record in that kind of way. And I would, think yeah. Stooges self-titled is really more of a blues record. Oh yeah, that's way, it's right? way it's, more it's conventional. Blues. It's it's conventional. No, uh, no fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, real cool time. Iggy seems to right. say no fun can't, comes from I walk the line. It sort of sounds like it, but not quite. You know, in interviews, it's just he like, always says uh, 1969 that. ain't got nothing. It's just like they're singing about that. This is their white boy blues. Oh, boredom. It boredom. It's straight yeah. bo- small town boredom. Kids trying to get in trouble, what they go through right. every day type right. of thing. It's for the defected, the, the right. fringe. You know, they're not playing for the guys that are listening to, you know, whatever else is on the radio at that time. It's top 40 stuff. They're, he chose an audience to play for. The demographic, you know, he, he wanted was – he wasn't shooting for the stars. He was shooting for the guys he knew would understand that music at right. that period and, of time. And what's, and what's interesting is that, you know, again, when you think about it, when you really go back, like – the idea of angst expressed through music first comes about with the blues. Oh, for sure. Right. It's for sure with the blues. So it's right. Like the source of I'm writing about this cause I'm not feeling good. Like, like, you know, suffering in my art right. or, or creating art through my suffering. Right. All of that stuff starts in the blues and then evolves in into rock and roll first there you have the upbeat stuff but really blues I and mean, gospel made rock and roll right blues and but old gospel but here's what's what interesting think. and and again I'm, I'm about to do a whole deep dive i'm in the middle of a deep dive video about i put a spell on about uh screaming jay hawk oh i love him it's really a song like i put a spell on you oh totally you know, singing about like you know uh uh the tormented by love and and being spellbound by love oh yeah really get the sense of angst in rock and roll i'm trying to think of any other compositions that early that are really doing it. I guess Heartbreak Hotel. I guess um Um those the what's the fifty song where the guy's girlfriend dies in the car accident? Yeah, he digs her up. Last kiss. Those, yeah, those... he digs her up, right? Uh I don't think it's that one. Last kiss. There's a there's an old song from the fifties. Where oh where can my baby be? You know, oh that yeah, one. That there's one. that one. I don't know, I don't know who sings that one. But I can't yes, remember. That's... Ricky it's not Ricky Nelson. I can't I can't no, think right now who it is. Nelson. But the point is is that anyways the, the, that the the idea of angst in music really does come from the blues. Oh, and big time. Here is here is Iggy and the Stooges delivering their first album as you know this you know this white boy from yeah. you know pimply faced uh, guys that hang out in front of yeah. the drugstore type of music right, <laughs> right. that's their blues that's that's right. what they're doing and sure in in the in the process like just reinventing everything in the process something so simple and so benign is turns out to be this huge impactful thing now what was the reception take me through the aftermath. They put the album out. They put it out with the John Cale's mix gets shelved. However, it is preserved, thank God, and we would hear it 50 years later. You know, later on, you hear about how, you know, the first, uh, the, the early Stooges albums are big flops and stuff, but that's contradictory right. 
from what you see in articles at the time. Cream gave them 106 oh. on Billboard. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the 106 play, play blah, blah, 106 place on Billboard when it yeah. debuted. And, you know, it's funny looking back too. I mean, if you take any stock in Rolling Stone today, I mean, Ron made the top 100 guitarists of all time, of course. Right. But you know, back then they were that album got good reviews from a lot of magazines. You know, whether it's well, sold they did a ton or album. Not. I mean, listen, they right. it, it did well enough that they were like, we're not going to terminate sure. your contract after right. the first album. We're we're going to give you a second album. Exactly. They're supposed to be three. Didn't they have three yep. album contracts? They're supposed to be three with, for uh, Electra. Electra. Yeah. Now. Well, we could talk about this at a later date, but they had they had songs ready for that third album. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Hold well, on, we'll I want to show you that. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. I, I want to go ahead, keep going. I wanted to show you something. In here. Yeah, no, no. I just wanted. Well, I was really asking you, what is we're 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 just about wound down here. Okay, I think we we've reached we've reached the end of talking about uh, the album. I mean, we could talk about the songs themselves. We think we kind of did that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just wanted we, to pull up a picture of the contract. Just, yeah, just, no, just uh, pretty please cool. Do it. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll fill the dead air while you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you get that, you get this. As a matter of fact, since we're at the tail end here, I'm going to do, if you are not already done, so please make sure to subscribe to my channel, leave a like, uh, comment and I'm gonna tell you uh, a little bit about Zep Patreon. So hold on. Oh, you got the you got the thing. Go ahead. Yeah, Go there's their signatures there on the is. electric Look contract. Look at that. Pretty huh? cool. <laughs> James Osterberg Jr. Wow, <laughs> that's great. That is amazing, man. Yeah, that, that is that is something else. That is something else. Um, so right. So then they they get they get their chance to go back in. One question before, well, maybe we should actually say that. I really want Funhouse to be about Funhouse, and we yeah. really have to. We are going. Oh, uh, Funhouse is going to be jam packed. Yeah, jam packed with discussion. So oh maybe yeah. We should just leave things where they are. Yeah, man. Right here. Um, I want to thank Nick so much for coming on the show. Um, the uh, again, like uh, I like do Nick. The show is great. I, A pleasure. I'm really happy. Oh. I feel like we don't have any. There, there's not too many Stooges podcasts out there. There's some, but yeah, but you know, enough, you know, no. not with our. We're we're going super passion. detailed on it's this. Passion, yeah, passion, it's detail. We're talking. So join us next time as we discuss Funhouse, which is yes. going to be a big old episode. And I wanna, I wanna take us out with my my Patreon commercial. If you feel like joining the Patreone, I'm gonna do that real quick. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind the scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. 
Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. All right, that's my spiel. That's my spiel, and I'm sticking to it. Um, So join us next time. We're going to talk about Funhouse. Yes. Man, we're we're really, there's so much to discuss, and it's going to be great. Um, So, Nick, I'll talk Peanut butter. We're going to talk about peanut butter. Yes. Oh, my God. I have to talk about the peanut butter. Oh, yeah. That's going to need its own, like, uh, side, side track thing. And um, as hold on, as Rue Morg, Rue Morg always always signs off with us. Thanks a lot, guys. Everybody, be safe and cough cool. We also have a very yeah. nice way of saying goodbye on the show. We say peace and hair, hair grease. grease.